Manufacturing is the only industry that creates wealth, and I get really excited because of the fact that manufacturing is coming back to the United States so strong. It's coming back stronger and faster than it, what it left. And I see that to be such a great thing, not only that it provides excellent jobs for people and training and skills, but more or less I'm saying that I think that more and more countries are going to stamp and manufacture for their own country. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metalworking Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name is Jason Zenger, and this is Making Chips, where we equip and inspire manufacturing leaders. And we're coming to you live from our remote studio, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Jim Carr. How you doing, Jim? Jason, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, me too, man. It, yeah, we're, we're here in Roselle, Illinois. Yeah, we're about 10 miles west of O'Hare International Airport in um, an industrial area. And industrial we've got a, Park. An industrial park. That's which I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with that. Yes, it's a nice industrial park, and I'm, I'm excited to introduce our special VIP guest today. But before we get to that, would you like to share with some of our listeners uh, any manufacturing news that we have? Yeah, yeah. I actually do have a, um, a manufacturing article that I came across, and it's titled, Leadership Lab Gives Women in Manufacturing a Boost. I think it's going to be very relevant to our episode today. Um, but what it talks about is um, scholarships for training for women in small and mid-sized manufacturing companies. It was funded by General Electric, and they did this in association with the Women in Manufacturing group. It's called the Leadership Lab for Women in Manufacturing. And I guess it was started with the Case Western Reserve University. And basically what they're trying to do is just educate women to make a bigger impact in the manufacturing industry. So they talk about things like bias barriers in manufacturing. Which a bias barrier? Yeah, a, bi a bias, a, I guess, overcoming a bias against oh, women okay. in manufacturing. So sure. how to manage that, which yeah. makes sense. How to mitigate the yeah, bias. Yeah. yeah. How to make an impact as a leader and then, you know, skills and strategies for leading. So I, it's it sounds really neat what they're doing. So where are they um, based out of? Um, it Does looks it like it's either it's based out of um, Cleveland. So it's in conjunction with the Case Western Reserve University. Yeah. So and I think that's the location close to where the Women in Manufacturing is. Hmm. Well, our local regional manufacturing association has a Women in Manufacturing committee as oh, well okay, too, great. and they they're doing great stuff there as well, you know. So we, we always try to support them as much as we possibly can. But no, it's all good. You know, Jason and I have always been um big proponents, advocates. big advocates for women in manufacturing. Um there's definitely a place and uh, they bring a whole diverse thought new, process. Absolutely. You know, a different thought process to the and sorry to take the words out of your mouth. No, no. I, I, I like the word diversity because I always say that that's where you get the biggest bang for your buck is if you if you have a group of people that are diverse in thought, 
Yeah, um, if you're trying to solve a problem for a customer or whatever it is or problem on the on the shop floor, if you have a, a diverse set of eyes to look at it, you're going to have that much more of an impact. The more ideas you have to solve a problem, the better. And I think women bring a different thought process to, to that. And I think that's a beautiful segue yes. to introduce our very special VIP guest today. And uh, I'm going to let you do those introductions. Great. So we've got Erica Weagle. I know her. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. (laughs) We've got Erica Weagle in the remote studio. And uh, some of our listeners may be familiar with the last name Weagle because we actually had her older brother on in a previous episode to talk about family succession. And we wanted to bring Erica to an episode also because we, you know, she's got some other topics to talk about that I think will be inspiring and equip our listeners. So welcome, Erica. Hi, welcome. Thank you. So Erica is currently the president of Aero Metal Stamping, which is a high volume precision metal stamping company in Roselle, Illinois. This is a recent position for her. She's also um, on the board of directors of Weagle Toolworks, which is the other family business. Erica is a graduate of the Northern Illinois University Mechanical Engineering Department. She's got a, a bachelor's degree from there. And she spent the previous 13 years at Weagle Toolworks, mostly as the manager of their prototype department. Erica is also a very active member with the TMA. She's active in the Women in Manufacturing group. She also had an article written on her as a part of the Women in Manufacturing. And she's involved in the PMA, which is the Precision Metal Forming Association. So Arrow is a stamping company. They also do in-die tapping, and they also do value-added secondary operations like assemblies. They have about 30 employees, and they operate out of 40,000 square feet. It's a beautiful 40,000 square It is a beautiful 40,000 square feet. Absolutely, Jim. Um, so their, their customers are automotive, appliances, and the housing industry. So um, And also, you know, Erica's had... I feel like every time I, you know, put on like manufacturing news, I see Erica's face and some article about her. <laughs> I, I know her. The accolades run really deep. Exactly. I know Erica is, you know, kind of a humble person, and she doesn't like totally. search for the spotlight. But um, let's talk it about. Seems some, to, it seems to find. Yeah, her. it seems to find her. So let's talk about some of her other accolades. So she received the 2015 TMA Manufacturer of the Year, and she was also given the College of Engineering Technology Alumnus of the Year for Northern Illinois University, and then she was also given the Step Ahead Award, which is a part of the, um, apparently a part of the White House. You get, um, you get we that award Erica there. We should Erica explain that one to our listeners because it's a little vague there. Yeah, she's got a story associated yeah. with it too, so we'll, we'll go there. And then Erica also has a scholarship at Northern Illinois in her name where she gives a scholarship every year to several engineering students. Who is this woman? Wow. She is a dynamo. So why don't we, why don't we get into it? So um, like I said, welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. At first, I just want to say a thank you again. You know, we've been trying to get you on the show for months now, and, you know, it's it's hard to get the logistics down, but um, I, it's absolutely a pleasure always to, to be with you. And, you know, we, we go back quite a few years, and we, we've shared some fun times together, but... Um, the reason we're here today is to hopefully share your story with our listeners and maybe inspire someone to do what you've done. So with that said, tell us just a little bit. I know Jason told us about Arrow, but why don't you, in your own words, give us you know 60 to 90 seconds about what Arrow does. Sure. We're a uh, metal stamper for metal parts, components, and assemblies. We've been in business for over 56 years, and we specialize in short and long runs. But one thing that we do very well is go from very thin material to very thick material. And we have a wide range of things that we can do here that adds a lot of value-added things. And I think that is a game-changer for me. 
Okay. Well, I know but just before we sat down, you took us through the facility and I was looking at things you were doing and I could see those value added processes that you were incorporating into the jobs. And, and that's probably given you your competitive edge. So let's go back about a year ago because you've been owner, uh, president owner of Aero now for eight months? Since July of 2015. Okay. So let's go back to January of 2015. And you were probably in negotiations for the business at that time, right? No. Oh, you weren't? No, it's basically- It just happened that fast? Pretty much 90 okay, days. Okay. Explain that process for us. If you take it back a few years, when you look at your situation and, and, and where you're at, you, you like to make a five-year goal plan. Like so, a vision. So for years ago, it, we had this vision. I had this vision. I just I took it seriously, but not that seriously until when the time comes and then the, the five years passes and I, don't, I haven't done anything, that's when I had to reevaluate my goals, my decisions, and then when I want to execute. So I looked at the plan. I said, I've accomplished so much here at Weagle. I've done all this stuff. It's time to go one step further. So I contacted uh, Goldberg and Hines, the acquisition people, and we basically sat down. I told them everything that I wanted. I told them everything I didn't want and a couple of examples of what I would like to do. And they, they did their homework. They came back with a few companies that they thought could fit. We reviewed them, and then we took off from there. So you had the thought that I want to acquire another company. I have different goals maybe than what um, your other brothers at Weagle had. Yes and no. Um, when, when my brothers and I, we took over the place uh, pretty much in like 2003, we took a small family shop and made it to one of the, like a manufacturing masterpiece. There was a lot of challenges involved and my challenges were coming to an end because we took the small shop and made it into a masterpiece. And so there, I was kind of running out of things to do there. I always ran the prototype department, which I love because you're always developing and doing new things. But what really changed my mind about that was a lot of our larger customers, they require that so much of your business come from minority status, minority suppliers, minority anything. And women-owned, women which is a, a minority. And we had such a hard time filling that aspect. We went down to oil companies, plating companies, temporary staff companies, and we just really couldn't find it. We couldn't really fit the customer's needs. So that was one main reason why I thought that there was a need to have a women business certificate to go on my own. For that criteria level? The criteria that we couldn't handle. So I I, I figured that with my engineering skills, my background, growing up in the family business for as long as I have, for transforming Weagle Tourworks from what it was to what it is today, I, I, I just think that this is something that I was able to do and do it successfully. You know, I like what you said about that you had accomplished everything that you had wanted to accomplish in the business. Because I, I think that one I of know. the um, one of the great testament of, of a good leader is somebody that has created a business such that it can run without them. So you had done everything that you could do and it was time to, you know, move on to another project. I think the worst managers out there are the ones that, you know, they're needed on a daily basis to fight for fires and to take care of stuff. I mean, you want to be able to say, I've accomplished this and you guys can do this by yourself and I'm going to go tackle this other project. And I think that's that's great. Matter of fact, when I left, um, the prototype department I had, everything was standard and customized. So I didn't even have to be there. The guys know how to plug and play and keep keep going from where I left off. That's great. That's great. So then you asked this acquisition firm to go out to the area mm-hmm. locally and search out a company that was thinking about selling. Tell our listeners the story you told me earlier. They actually don't go out for companies that are actually looking to sell. Okay. They target companies, they'll target anybody, because at the right price, somebody will sell. Or sometimes people have a pain or pressure point that they can't get over and they want to get out, but they really don't know they want to get out. 
it's an out, it's an option, or it just plants the carrot in their head to, you know what? Well, let me start thinking about the situation. Okay. So that's what happened. They pitched it to the owner of the business and said, uh, "We have somebody that's interested in your business." And what I originally would have wanted to do was purchase a business and bring it into Weagle. The owner was absolutely against that. He built this place with his father, and he's got employees that he's had for years, and his employees were the most important thing about his business. Without them, there is no business. And so his greatest accomplishment or his greatest, um, his biggest worry was solved when he knew that I would purchase this and then keep it on a standalone company and all his employees would still be here and they all still have a job. That was his main focus and that's what we accomplished. It's a great answer. And you brought up something that I'm going to ask you about the employees. So when you did take over, and maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit on the timeline, but when you did take over, was there any resistance from the existing employees at Arrow that you were coming in and taking ownership? Did you have any employees come and say, I'm... I, don't like you or I don't like your style of business or management. And not yet. Not yet. Or I don't want to work for a woman in manufacturing. Well, yeah. Didn't even think of that, but you know, it's out think, there. Absolutely. It's out there. I didn't even, th- because that's not I know my It's karma. not the way I think. That's it's not, not the way, way I think. Yeah. But I would think if somebody came in new, I, you know, the employees would say, Oh, I don't like the, you know, she's making me punch in five minutes early or something like that. But you haven't run into any of those issues yet so far? It's a little twofold because when I when I did purchase the company, it wasn't announced to the employees that the, the company was purchased or sold. And when I officially took over, it was the 4th of July weekend. So we cut the workday short on Friday, I believe it was. Um, I had a nice banquet dinner set up at Venuti's. And so I met all my new employees and they met their new boss at Venuti's. And they were given a very nice welcoming gift where I told them a little about myself just to get to know them better, for them to welcome me and for me to welcome them. So you gave them a welcome gift. Yes. I got everybody in an Amazon Kindle Fire HD. Oh, nice. nice. That, was, that was cool. That was cool. Very nice. So so going back to the um, the process that you went through with this search firm, the gentleman that owned this business, he was not looking to sell uh, necessarily. That's correct. I'm surprised that you were able to get it closed in 90 days. So, I mean, how did that process work? I've, I've known the guy who owned the business for many, many years. And through the TMA, you're well connected. I've been going with my dad to the TMA meetings ever since my dad took over presidency of the TMA, which I believe was in like 91 or 92 but ever since then, my dad's always included us with all these work activities. So I knew the gentleman for a long time, and he knew my family for a very long time. Um, he was not interested in selling, but I think situations when his personal life came up, um, that he wanted to spend a little bit more time with his family. This was just a great timing situation with what he thinks is a great buyer in me. Oh, so he so he knew that you were the one that was, of course, was going to buy. He knew your family history. You knew He knew your longevity. He knew your vision. So of course it was a good fit it was, for him to sell. It was a good fit for both of us because the main thing with me and the main thing with him is culture. Right. And our two businesses had the same culture and the same culture with the people, which was an easy transition. Mm-hmm. We talk we talk about culture a lot and All that, the time, it is man. very important. It's very relevant. They they um you know experts would say that um, acquisitions live and die based on culture. So this wasn't Weagle buying this company, but you you know you still represent Weagle. But when companies buy other companies and their cultures don't fit, that's that's when you have problems. Mm-hmm. So Erica, just a, a couple minutes ago, you said the wants and the want nots. 
what were those particular things that you wanted in a manufacturing company and what were the things that you didn't want? Can you share with us what those were? Sure. I, I know I wanted a nice, strong culture with the, with the people. So okay. that's one thing I wanted. Um, I wanted a company that was small enough where I can handle. Be intimately involved. Correct. And then where I see potential, where I can really grow it. I've been in the prototyping for many, many years. I, I like working with a, a very diverse set of industries and metals. And so I know that very, very well. So that was one thing I want to do is diverse my portfolio, not just do mostly automotive type work. I want to do it across the board. And the location was one thing, the size, the people, um, the cost was another thing. Of course. And then I also look for value added. I, I want some things where I can put value added to a product and not just stamp and put in a box. I want to put value added and I want to send it, my products across the world. And that's what we're doing here. So there, there was a couple of things that you mentioned that I wanted to elaborate on. You mentioned that um, the size of the company was important. So size and revenue or size and physical structure or size and... Well, probably all of the above. All of the above. So what I'm assuming is that you um, wanted to take a business where you could buy the business and grow it to the size that Weagle is at right now. Was that your thinking? Correct. Okay, great. Um, and then culture. Um, when you look at culture, like how do you define it? What do you, what do you think of culture and as? What does Erica think a good culture is? And give us some examples. A healthy working environment where people get along, people care about other people. We have a thought process where safety is first. Mm-hmm. An attitude where we're going to help each other. I understand that people have their own life outside of work. They have kids. They have things that go down. You're honest with me. I'm honest with you. If you need to take a few days off because of personal reasons, that we have an open door of communication. And that, to me, is very important that um, my door is always open for um, for anybody in my shop and anybody in the company that if they're ever running into something or situation or need help, that they're not afraid to come and ask me. And we're not afraid to share things with each other. Have you um, defined your culture as a company? I don't know if you listened I mean, to our previous written, episode where you, culture? Yeah, where you actually have your values written down. Is that something you've thought about? Um, I have my own goals of what that is, but we're writing one together as a team here. Good. Oh, great. That's great. awesome. Great. Because my, my vision might be different from everybody else's, so I want everybody's input to be what we can agree upon. Is, is that a process that you went through at Weagle? We started going through it we uh, with our marketing firms and things like that, but um, they're adding a lot more things over there to define their culture and then uh, also keep it um, repeatable. Yeah. But I'm not there anymore, so I'm not I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> Good. Were there any roadblocks that you hit along the way? Because you know, I think it's important to share some of the struggles that yeah, what to had. look out for. Yeah, and you know, it's it's always a learning experience when you hit a roadblock along the way. And then you say, man, if I could have redone that, I would have done it a little bit better. Yeah, let us learn from your mistakes or the challenges yeah. that you had to overcome. Because I know I've certainly made some mistakes over the years. And, um, I, I didn't, I would Jim, def- I don't make any mistakes. You don't? No, none. Oh, Zero. I don't I've make never- any more. I stopped making mistakes about I'm 10 kidding. years ago. I'm kidding. We all ago. make mistakes no. all the time. <laughs> it's a matter of not repeating the same mistakes. That's true. <laughs> so I, I could tell you that when I turned 18 and, and worked at Weagle, um, I wanted to learn how to grind. So put a bunch of holes in the block ground it, send out the heat treat, but I didn't split the difference. So that block was pretty much garbage. That block goes with me everywhere I go. So I take these little lessons and I learn from them and I keep on adding them to my toolbox and my toolbox is pretty full. Full of mistakes, that is. Yeah. And, to learn and, from. And, and that's, where I, that's why I'm here right now. So um, going, taking a $10 million company to almost a $50 million company, you better believe we had a lot of mistakes and we learned from them. But what I've learned, I've always carried on with me and, and, and taken with me wherever I go. But the other 
aspect of that is that I belong to so many associations. And to belong to the association is one thing, but then to get involved with it is another thing. Because when you get involved with the associations, you're getting involved with the people. And when you meet great people, they're something that you can always bounce ideas off to. People have already made these mistakes before. So I think that my network through the TMA, the PMA has helped me and, and my company get better. Great. I think it's a great answer. Is it is it where you can go to these people and you can um, discuss your problems and how to how to solve them or just have like a, you know, somebody that you can lean on in those situations? It's like a board of directors almost. It is. And and the people there, they're they're your friend. They care about you. They right. care about your business. Yep. And it's it's all confidential. Right. You know, and, and that's the best part about it. Okay. So what association are you getting this from? Is there one in particular that it gets that intimate where you're sharing personal stuff? Well, not personal business stuff. Personal business stuff. Okay. Yeah. It's not like a Vistage or, but it, you're talking about like the- A manufacturing our, association. Yeah, right. From our TMA. Right. Yeah. And so we're a lot of bunch of business owners. Right. And so who what other person would you rather talk to than another business owner who's been through this, that's in the same industry. I agree 100%. Yeah. And, and then you, you're you you're also part of the WIM. I don't know if they go by that, but you know you have it other they, women that they, you could talk to. They go to uh, WIM, which is a uh, is a part of the PMA. They developed a women in manufacturing subgroup. Um, I just joined the TMA subgroup for the women in manufacturing as well. And then I also get involved um, with a lot of schools and things like that, grade schools, to, to get the word out. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into the next question I have for you, Erica, is what was the reason that you wanted to get involved? Why WBE and why do you think that's going to give you a competitive edge? There's two reasons. I, I, one is the challenge of actually obtaining the certificate because I you, hear you it's have not to be, easy. It's, it's not easy. No. You have to be qualified. Right. You can't just take over your husband's business and throw your name on the door because now no. you own it. It doesn't work that no, way. So. I know. So that's one aspect of it. And, uh, you know, the competitive edge, I would have to say that seeing the gap at Weagle, because at Weagle, we couldn't fulfill the quotas of having that minority stuff. And so I I saw a huge advantage for me to get involved because, one, I'm qualified. Two, I love what I do. I mean, I I absolutely love taking a piece of metal and forming to something that can change somebody's life. Um, and every day is different. But I would say the challenge of filling the gap that there's a big hole in. Do you see that WBE minority status as something that's going to add to your growth in the future of Arrow? Since so many people are looking for a company like mine and they don't know how to find it, once you get on the status, which I'm going for the national status, I'm not going for the Illinois status, um, you're put on a registry list. So a lot of people, they can go on the registry and search for companies like mine that makes the list to fill their quota. How long does that process take to actually become fully implemented into that? From what I understand, it can take up to 90 days. Okay. But from, from what I know, that there's going to be random interviews, random people coming, dropping by, see if I'm here day to day, see if I'm actually working on the business, see if I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. Yeah, that, has that happened yet? Not yet, because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm about to officially submit my paperwork in soon. Okay, so that's where you're at with it. Mm-hmm. Do you, you use a consultant or anything to help you through the process, or are you doing it all on your own? I have a consultant, and I also use my accounting firm, which is KRD. Yep. Um, they, they're people. amazing people, yep. and what they can't do, they know somebody that can do it, and they're, they're the ones that are helping me around the whole process. You had mentioned before you had a vision when you were at Weagle, and you had the vision to grow Weagle, and you did, and you were highly successful. And then I feel like what you just said is you kind of felt like you were going anywhere, like you were stuck in a rut. And correct me if I'm wrong. That's, that's correct. That's how I interpreted that's what correct. you just told us. And you kind of 
satisfied your five-year vision there, and that's why you said, I need something big to go to the next level, and that's why you acquired this. So what does Eric Wiggle think about the next five years, and where do you see yourself in the next five years? If you take the five and cut it in half, in the next two years, my goal is to double the, the sales of this company right now. That's aggressive. Um, very aggressive. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of traveling. Um, the previous owner left an excellent legacy for me. He was honest, sincere, and he's a great person to do business with. So when I call these existing customers, they're opening their doors for me wide open because of the, the type of person that Tony was. Um, so that's one great thing. And honestly, the whole manufacturing aspect. I get really excited because of the fact that uh, manufacturing is coming back to the United States so strong. It's coming back stronger and faster than it, what it left. And I see that to be such a great thing, not only, for, not only that it provides excellent jobs for people and training and skills, but more or less I'm saying that I think that more and more countries are going to stamp and manufacture for their own country. That's an interesting concept. I'm I never really thought about it like that. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right about that. I, I hear that all the time. I think one of the terms that's been thrown around is near sourcing. So I've not heard that before. You, yeah, and in, in like Erica said, like a lot of these global companies that they have, you know, a North American manufacturing, they have an Asian manufacturing, they have a Europe manufacturing, they may or may not have a South American or, an, you know, African manufacturing. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 you hear that a lot about the near sourcing of manufacturing. And not only that, I think that what, I'm, what I'm excited for is that I want to double this place and I want to double the amount of people because manufacturing is the only industry that creates wealth. And the bigger and the better I grow, there's more and more families that I can employ that can have a better lifestyle, a nice high paying job, living the American dream. Well, we, we talk about it all the time on the podcast about how we need to change the image of the industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's not your grandfather's tool and die shop. Anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore, baby. It's clean. Your facility is gorgeous. It's beautiful. Um, it's and highly technological. It's and clean and it's beautiful, and because my employees take a lot of pride in this place, right? You know, I can see that it's it, it it's it's relevant. And, and you know what? It, it's never too late to clean up your place. I mean, no. I remember the um, the episode that we had with Patricia Miller, and she talked about that that was one of the first things that she did when she went in there. Is she cleaned it up and she threw, threw junk out. out. Yeah, I threw, know. threw out ninety percent the of the junk, painted the walls, How and, easy it, was and it was that? a totally different company after that. Yeah, so. Going back to that whole like near sourcing concept, um, you know, I remember you 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 showed us some lighting housing that you guys were stamping out. Now I'm sure those kind of similar lighting housing is manufactured in you know Asia and used in Asia. I mean, they use lights over in different places, and um, you're working with major companies, and they're probably stamping those lighting housings here, and they're stamping them in Europe for Europe, and they're stamping them in um, Asia for Asia. And I think that's a great model for you know manufacturing companies to have. And if they ever had a problem with their stamper, you know, overseas, they could switch to you guys very Correct. quickly. Absolutely. I think that just about wraps it up for this uh, episode of Making Ships. Erica, it's always a pleasure to see you. And I'm glad we finally got you to speak your mind and share with us and our listeners uh, your story about acquiring this new business. If you want to connect with Erica, please look her up on LinkedIn. It's E-R-I-C-A-W-I-E-G-E-L. It's Erica Weagle at Aero Metal Stamping. And uh, thank you again. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and uh, you know we always say at the end of the show that uh, Jason and I don't know anything. That we're we're just we're here. learning here too. We're here to bring the knowledge that we know, the people that we associate with and do business with, and hopefully, what we're sharing will equip and inspire somebody in you know the next day or the next ten years. 
I think Erica's story was great. I think it's it's a little bit different than everybody else, but um, hopefully uh, we have done that for someone, and I hope that someone comes back to us in the future and says, man, I listened to that story. and uh, It inspired me to go out and buy another company. Yeah, very cool. So, yeah, if our listeners want to get a hold of us, uh, they can email jim at makingchips.com or jason at makingchips.com, or you can even hit up Ryan, ryan at makingchips.com. Also, all the social platforms we're on, and uh, I think there's a phone number, 2312-725-0245. Nice. I would never have got that one. That's why we're a team. That's it. <laughs> That's right. You bet. And uh, what does my dad always say, Jason? If you're not making chips... You're not making money. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. test the mics oh mine wasn't on <laughs> which is a precision metal stamping company in um are you an addis are we in addis? roselle well it says addison here <laughs> that was my no that's okay that's okay